Welcome to worship at Markham Baptist Church. Today we'll be joined by Christina, Carmela, and Victoria. Victoria has a word for our children. Carmela will be sharing her gift of music. And Christina will be sharing some scripture from the gospel lesson today, as well as we'll be having a time of communion. I hope that you'll have some bread and a cup of juice handy so that when we come to the Lord's table, if you know Jesus and want to share in this time of blessing and receiving his grace and mercy, you can do so. Today we're called by the one who says, I am the good shepherd. He's the one that leads us to living water. He welcomes us and leads us down paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is the God we have. This is the one we worship. This is the Savior whose name we praise today. Good morning, everybody. This morning, Pastor Craig is going to be preaching on John chapter 10, verse 1 to 10, speaking to you on the character of God and the character of a Christian. So this morning, I'm trying to make it a little bit easier for those a little bit younger. I'm going to be using the simple story of Red Riding Hood. As we know, the simple story, Little Red Riding Hood with a little red coat on leaves her mother with a basket of goodies to go and see her grandma who lives in the woods. As she's walking down the path that she told her mother she would, she meets the big bad wolf. She explains to him that she does not have any time to dawdle. She told her mother that she would deliver these goodies to her grandma and come right back home. The wolf scurries ahead of her and takes the place of her grandma. So when Little Red Riding Hood arrives at the cottage, she goes in and explains to the what she thinks is her grandma, but is the big bad wolf, what big eyes, what big nose, what big teeth you have. It wasn't until then that Little Red Riding Hood realized that it was not her grandmother, but the big bad wolf had taken her place. Simple story. But... What are some characteristic traits that these characters have? Just like in the Bible, our Bible is made up of many stories with many characters. Each character has traits that we can see on the inside and the outside that makes the story exactly what it is. So, Little Red Riding Hood, her outside traits would be that she wears a red coat, she's a little girl, and she has a big smile on her face. But some inside traits would be that she's sweet, innocent, and kind. The big bad wolf, again, his outside traits would be his big eyes, his big nose, his big teeth, clearly laid out in the story. But his inside traits would be that he's bad and sneaky. These are some characteristic traits that these characters have, but I'll let Craig explain to you a little bit more about God's characteristic traits and the traits of being a Christian. Please pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to gather together. Thank you for the words that you have blessed Pastor Craig with as he shares them with us this morning. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the words that you have blessed the writers to write and those to share their stories. Thank you for the characters that you have laid out in our world so that they can tell us more about you. Lord, we pray for all those in Nova Scotia and all those at home, whether dealing with the sickness coronavirus or, or just dealing with the isolation that has been caused because of it. Lord, we thank you. We love you. Amen.
Also, don't forget to join me next Sunday at 9.45 to 10.15 on Zoom. The link is located on the bottom of your screen and will also be available on the emails that Alexandra sends out weekly. I look forward to you joining with me so we can dive deeper into God's Word. Bye! One of the realities during this pandemic is that people are really searching for and wondering about their identity and asking the question, who am I when I'm not at work or when I don't have a job or when roles are reversed at home? As we look through the Bible, the question, who am I, is answered for us. Who are we in Christ? Throughout the Bible, we hear the answer. We are children of God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's handiwork. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are forgiven. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. We are healed. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. We are strong. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And we are heirs of eternal life. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Amen. Amen. I'm reading from the Gospel of John chapter 10, verse 1 to 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of a stranger. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. In John chapter 10, 
Jesus uses two images to describe himself and his role. The first is the gate, and the second is the shepherd. And you can probably see over my shoulder a banner that has been hanging at Markham Baptist Church for some time. It's a shepherd banner, and it reminds us of that role and identity of Jesus Christ. When I was growing up in my home church, we had a rather large poster picture of Jesus the Good Shepherd. I knew it was Jesus because it was in our church. But Jesus the Shepherd, because he was standing in a large pastoral image or area, and uh, he was carrying a young lamb in his arms. And that poster picture and the banner we have here in this church remind me of that comforting, secure image of Jesus as the shepherd. It was a great image to have in my church growing up. It's a great picture to have in our minds as we attend to the business of the world and go through this time together. It's interesting the occasion when Jesus introduces that theme in John because prior to his conversation around being the gate and the shepherd, he's been healing people. He's just healed a man that had been born blind, and there are people around him that uh, still won't identify Jesus as who he really is, the son of the living God. And so Jesus brings to mind this image of himself as the gate and the shepherd to identify his role and his identity as just that, the living son of God. And yet he takes their refusal to believe as his starting point. He says, I am the gate. In other words, I'm the doorway to God. I'm the entry point to the life you've always wanted to live. Imagine if there were no door, no gate, no possible entry point to the life we've always wanted to live or, or peace we've always hoped to experience or joy that we've never realized before. We've looked for it in other places. We've hoped to find it in other areas of our lives, but, but none have satisfied us. And then Jesus says, I am the gate. He introduces us to life, to peace, to hope, to joy. And then there's another image that Jesus presents to us. He says, I'm the shepherd. It's a different kind of shepherd than that gentle shepherd, that, that kind shepherd, the one that gives us a sense of peace. Jesus actually uses the word shepherd to mean, I am king, I am Lord, I am leader, I am the authority. Jesus does not simply want to offer us gentleness and kindness. He wants to give direction to our lives beyond the tender, kind, gentle, loving shepherd, which he is, is also this shepherd God, this Lord who says, to me, you are answerable. I want to lead you and the choices you make every moment of every day. But he doesn't just say, I'm the shepherd. In John chapter 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. The word good is not simply good as opposed to bad. Good means excellent, perfect. I am the one, the one and only. And I can't help think of the good shepherd in John without thinking back to David's psalm, the 23rd, the shepherd's psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's think about that psalm for a moment and its meaning. Until we can apply that first line and see it for the truth of our lives and the relationship we have with Christ, the remainder of that psalm becomes useless to us. The Lord is my shepherd. In other words, I've accepted him as the leader of my life. I've received and welcomed his direction into my everyday activities. Once we have claimed that, we can go on. We can read further and recognize the following promises are ours as well. Douglas McClellan was a shepherd in Scotland before he was a preacher and pastor. And he talks about a time when he was studying in Edinburgh and then went home, went by motorcycle home to uh, see his family on the family farm. And uh, he went off to the fields to see his sheep with his brother. Now, he'd been away for a time. And so he said to his brother, let me call them. And uh, so he did. But the sheep didn't respond. Finally, he said to his brother, go ahead, you call. And immediately, the sheep responded to the voice of the shepherd. Jesus is that kind of shepherd that demands our, our loyalty, that says, the sheep know my voice. And knowing the voice of God, we respond and we follow him. We follow him because the shepherd has proven reliable. Psalm 23 follows another psalm. The 22nd Psalm begins with a prayer, one that you probably will recognize. It begins with these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? We can't get to the shepherd in Psalm 23 until we go through the prayer in Psalm 22. In verses 16 and 18, here is part of that prayer. Here is part of what Jesus' suffering was all about on the cross of Golgotha. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. This is the one that demands our loyalty. This is the shepherd that invites our trust. This is the one whose voice we are called to respond to. Jesus offers us more than grace and forgiveness. Jesus offers us his strength and companionship along the way. He invites us to recognize in the worst of life in the most demanding moments, he's up to the challenge. He's actually been there. And the shepherd is willing to lay down his life for his sheep. 
The shepherd doesn't simply want us to recognize his gentle nature. He wants us to be committed followers of him. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. In other words, having a shepherd like Jesus doesn't mean that the challenges, problems, and difficulties of life will simply vanish. They'll be there even though I walk through. The power in the psalm is that we have the companionship of the shepherd. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. There are all kinds of evil in this world. There are all kinds of struggles going on, many of which perhaps you're facing today and this week. Christ doesn't eliminate the danger, but he promises to give us his confidence to go through them. In the valley of the shadow, all we see is absence, hunger, despair, lack. And yet it's there, says the psalmist, that he prepares a table before us. He provides us with food, not just any food. He offers us the living bread himself. He offers us wine, the living water himself. So there's a psalm that comes before the 23rd, and there's a psalm that follows it. And the 24th psalm begins with these words. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he has founded it on the seas. He's established it on the waters. And then verse 4 says this. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand at his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. There is only one person who walked this earth that had clean hands in a pure heart, Jesus. The shepherd is the perfect shepherd. The shepherd is the one with the pure heart that loves us without limit. The shepherd is the sinless savior, our savior. And that same shepherd is also the son of God, the creator of heaven and earth. When Jesus says in chapter 10 of John, I'm the good shepherd, he's saying a lot. He's stating his identity as the Son of God. He's clarifying his mission as the Savior of the world, the one who seeks out the lost. And then he asks us to respond. Will we remain onlookers or will we become one of his loyal followers? Will we follow Jesus? the good shepherd. You know, others have come and gone seeking our loyalty, asking us to follow. And for a time, we've done so. We felt that perhaps if, if we had this or if we had that, if only we had one more thing, had achieved one more level of success, then, then maybe we'd be satisfied. And then we find that we're not. Jesus says there are all kinds of things that try to rob you of your life or steal your soul. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. 
When we have Jesus, we realize that we can live with far less than we ever imagined. When we're caught up in his wonder and grace, we find that our hearts are full, our lives are enriched, but we have to choose. We have to choose what values will follow. We have to choose what and who will be Lord of our lives. We have to choose the character that we want formed within our lives so that we can share it with the world and invite them to discover life full, rich, abundant. Remember that other metaphor that we began with. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. As the gate Jesus welcomes us with his tenderness. As the gate, he sends us out with his commission. And as the gate, he promises to give us everything we would need in life. On the morning of Deb's death some years ago, I heard a a sound. And I've only shared this with a few people. I haven't shared it with many for fear that people may not understand but I want to share it with you today in hopes that you will believe. That early morning hour when she took her last breath, when she passed from this life, I heard the sound of a gate. I know that it was Jesus. Jesus swinging wide his arms, opening up the gates of heaven, to receive one of his own. Are you one of his own? Will you be welcomed into his kingdom with open arms? Or will you be left waiting as a bystander, observing? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's my prayer for each one of us, that not only in some future time, but in these moments that we live in right now, that we will know the abundance of life, that we'll know the shepherd, that we'll know that Jesus is that doorway into a relationship with God that will carry us and hold us and bless us from now through till eternity. May that be so for you. Would you bow with me in prayer now? Let's pray. Thank you, God, for meeting us here today in the realities of our lives, in the deep joys and deep sufferings that are ours. Thank you for welcoming us as your children and for opening your arms to us, for flinging wide the gates with an opportunity to greet us with hope and joy. Thank you for keeping the door wide open for us to enter into communion with you and each other as we gather in your grace. You are beyond our understanding, but not our hearts. You are infinite in your lofty presence, and yet you're present in our most immediate needs and experiences. We pray, O God, for those who need you this day, for those in Nova Scotia grieving the deaths and injury of loved ones, 
for those in Fort McMurray, once again many of them finding their homes unlivable due to rising floods, and others who are suffering from lost income or jobs or health. We pray for those in Canada and throughout the world suffering uncertainty in these days, as well as for the many who are on the front lines continuing their jobs, that we might have food and be aided in sickness and supported by the resources that are so generously given. Thank you for the things that last in life, for traces of your kingdom in the everyday moments we live, for the assurance that you have made us for yourself, for the wonder that we experience when our souls receive you fully. Oh God, we praise you for the joy that renews us and the wonder brought about by the notice of children playing, young people giving, adults and seniors alike seeking ways to encourage one another. We thank you for sharing the bread, for the healing of music, for the anchoring of our souls in prayer, and especially for the gift of Christ in the summons of your Holy Spirit, making us partners in your ongoing acts of redemption for this world. Oh God, we pray that today you would use us in some way, some measure, to cause a difference, to make an impact, to offer a blessing. We praise you and ask that you would deepen our faith and that you'd strengthen our faithfulness. It's our prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. Amen.
Today we're glad to celebrate in a fashion together over the Lord's Supper. You who truly and earnestly repent of your sins and have love and concern for your neighbors, who intend to lead a new life following the commandment of God by walking in holy ways, draw near with reverence, faith, and thanksgiving, and take the supper of the Lord to your comfort. And now the table of the Lord is set. It's spread before us. Lift up your minds and hearts above all selfish fears or concerns, and let this bread and let this cup be to you the very witness and signs of God's love and grace for you. Welcome to the table where Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, the gate, the good shepherd, is our host. Come to this table not because you must, but come because you're invited by the living Lord. That night when Jesus was in an upper room in Jerusalem with his closest friends, he took bread, and having given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, it is for you. Take, eat, in remembrance of me. Let's give thanks for the bread. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us to break bread with you and with each other. Fill us and nourish us by your Spirit. And as we take this offering, let it be a sign of all you did for us. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Thank you, God, for the bread of life. Amen. Christ loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Eat and be thankful. After supper, he took a cup, saying, this cup represents a new covenant, a pledge, a promise, and it's sealed with my blood. As often as you eat the bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's give thanks for the cup. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. As we drink this wine, we remember that you are the giver of life. You are forgiveness. You bring deep peace to our soul, and your love flows within us. So as we pour the fresh living water into us, the wine, fruit of the vine, that we stay connected, and that we will have fresh and a new anointing. We thank you, Lord, that we are going to walk in newness and freshness in our lives each day. In Jesus' name, amen. Drink and be thankful. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Amen.